Hi, you are listening to Encouraging Women for Christ, and I'm your host and Bible teacher, Courtney Silberman. Ladies, have you been looking for a simple, straightforward way to understand the book of Revelation? Well, join us today as we take this amazing book one verse at a time using easy-to-understand explanations and other verses in the Bible to go through this incredible book. I know you are going to leave each teaching blessed and refreshed in the Word of God and hopeful in what's to come as a follower of Jesus Christ. And hey, if you are just beginning your journey to understand what a relationship with Jesus is, please join us too. You will learn so much about Jesus' love for you and hear all about how you can enter into a personal relationship with God for yourself. Let's be excited together about the glorious future we have in Christ Jesus. And know we will be blessed, as Revelation 1-3 tells us, when we invest the time in learning the book of Revelation together. Hi, it's Courtney, and welcome back to our study in the book of Revelation. We're in chapter 19. This is so fantastic. We have made it to the last four chapters, the best four chapters of this entire book. I am so proud of you that you persevered with me. If you started in chapter one and made it all the way through, this is the best part. This is the culminating part of all the kingdom of God as we go from chapter 19 all the way to the end to chapter 22. So let's begin by reading Revelation chapter 19. I am in the New King James Version. You are so welcome to follow along. If you click on the links below this video, I've provided a link for you. You can click on that. You can read along with me as I go through it and we can study the text together. This is an awesome chapter. So let's begin. Okay, Revelation chapter 19. After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunders thundering saying alleluia for the Lord God omnipotent reigns let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints and then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat in him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. 
He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in white, in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we are so grateful that you have carried along us all the way to chapter 19. We're just so thankful for your strength, your abiding presence with us to help us with the book of Revelation. And now we're in chapter 19. Lord Jesus, I just pray that your presence dwell here so powerfully as we go through this chapter according to your will. And may your Holy Spirit guide us in all grace and truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So this is a great chapter, as you can tell, I'm so excited to be at this point with you. I'm so excited for you. And we're going to go through this one step at a time and we're going to see this scene play out as it's written in scripture. So if you remember, we spent the last three chapters, chapter 16, were the final um, bowl judgments with the final judgment on Babylon in the seventh bowl where God said, it is done. We went through a background on Babylon on in chapter 17. In chapter 18, we looked at the complete fall of Babylon. And now in the beginning, we are in heaven with this rejoicing as this whole judgment time has come to an end and Jesus is about to return to the earth. So let's pick up in chapter 19, verse 1, and it says, After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. Let's pause there for just a minute. The culminating judgments came all the way up to the seventh bowl, which was on Babylon. And now heaven is rejoicing in this hallelujah. It's a hallelujah after a hallelujah about the great judgments of God, how righteous and true he is to judge the harlot who had corrupted the earth with her fornication. 
and that her smoke arises forever and ever, verse 3 says. Then in verse 4 it says, And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen. Alleluia. So the 24 elders and the four living creatures, those who are so close there around the throne room of God that we saw in chap back in chapter 4, are just um, down worshiping God and they are just simply saying, Amen. Alleluia. That this judgment has finally come. And then in verse 5, then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And now we're shifting to this huge praise of everyone um, from pray all his servants who are there around the throne room of God now every um, servant of God every saint of God now around the throne room of God for this praise right here and it says in verse 6 and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering saying Alleluia for the Lord God omnipotent reigns and then it says in verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So this is the culminating praise of the book of Revelation. This marriage of the Lamb that has come. And Jesus is there, the Lamb and his wife who has made herself ready. And it says in verse 8 that, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. And it says here, here's the interpretation, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. This is so beautiful. It is a marriage of the Lamb that has come. And through all of this that we saw, all the way from when the church was raptured up into heaven in uh, Revelation 4.1. We get all the way through the book to this scene in Revelation chapter 19 verses 7 through 8. And it's this presentation of the Lamb and His wife who has made herself ready. And all are cheering. It says in verse 6, And the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering. Wow, that is loud in heaven. This loud praise chorus for the marriage of the Lamb. Um, so that is so exciting. And then let's go down to verse 9. It says, Then he said to me, and this is the angel speaking to John, he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. So this is the very beginning of what the kingdom of God looks like when it comes, when Jesus returns to this earth, he's going to set up his millennial kingdom and all the saints are going to be in his kingdom celebrating this um, marriage supper of the Lamb. So the marriage itself took place in heaven. But the marriage supper of the Lamb and those who are blessed, who are all called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, who are called to the kingdom of God in the thousand year reign of Christ are a part of this marriage supper and they are the ones that are blessed. So 
That is super exciting. So that means everyone who will be in the thousand year kingdom with Jesus Christ are blessed because they are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then in verse 10 it says, and I fell at his feet to worship him. So this is really interesting. There's, this is a very important um, verse here and I'm going to explain why in just a minute. And he says, um, this is the, again the Apostle John. So let's back up for just a second. So he had seen all of these visions that we had talked about already. He had seen all of this. And then after what he just saw, the presentation of the marriage of the Lamb, or the, the hallelujah chorus of the marriage of the Lamb that had come and his wife who had made herself ready. And then the blessing of all those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb in the kingdom of God, in the thousand year reign of Christ. This point, at this point, the Apostle John falls at the feet of this angel to worship him. And the angel says to him, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So he falls at the feet to worship this angel after seeing all of these visions. It's this vision that has, him, that, that has the Apostle John fall at the feet of this angel to worship him. And I just think that tells us quite a bit about this scene, about um, this this Alleluia of the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That tells us that this is really the culminating scene of all of the book of Revelation. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This scene right here is the revelation of Jesus Christ and we're going to see this same theme here go all the way and carry us all the way to the end of the book to chapter 22. And so he falls at the feet to worship him. But listen to what the angel says, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Now this is important because of this reason. If that angel allowed John to worship him, then we know that this whole revelation of Jesus Christ, this whole book, this whole scroll that John wrote down would have been false. And I say that because this shows us that this is a true testimony of Jesus Christ. Because this angel in this moment, God allowed John to be so overwhelmed by this scene. He was so overwhelmed by what the angel showed him that he fell at the feet of this angel to worship him, which we've, we have to take a step back and think about this. This is the apostle John who walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He was at the cross. He witnessed the death of Jesus Christ. He witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He walked and spread the gospel during the apostolic age. He had just seen all of these visions that we have gone through and it was this moment that he was so overwhelmed and fell at the feet of the angel to worship. God allowed that to happen. I believe to show the authenticity of this book. The authenticity because this angel said, see that you do not worship me. You worship God alone. You only worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is, is what we call um, 
internal evidence in scripture that shows us how authentic this book is. It is phenomenal. I don't want you to miss how important verse 10 is that the angel said you worship God alone. That meant the angel, what he had shown him was true. It was true. It was from God alone because always what is true and what is shown from God will always lead to worship of the one true God. Okay, so he says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the prophetic word of God that is carried throughout this whole book is the spirit of Jesus Christ leading up to this whole scene here. And it is just absolutely beautiful. Okay, so that takes place in heaven and that happens right before Jesus returns to the earth. So here is the scene where Jesus himself returns to the earth. So it says in verse 11, Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. So now this is Jesus returning to the earth and he is returning to the earth on a white horse as the king, as the ruler, and as the one who judges and makes war against all who have tried to oppose the kingdom of God, who have tried to oppose the marriage of the lamb and those who are blessed, who are called to the marriage of the lamb. He is coming back and he will judge and make war. Remember we talked about when Jesus first rode into Jerusalem on a donkey in the triumphal entry. He rode in as a man of peace. He rode in because he was calling people to come and repent and follow God. And he was a man of peace riding in. Now he is going to return to the same place he left on the Mount of Olives on a white horse because he is coming to judge and make war on those who opposed his kingdom. And it says in verse 12, his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe of, with a, in a robe of blood, or let me go back. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. So he is he is this righteous king that is coming back clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is a powerful, powerful scene. Okay, let's take a look at Zechariah for just a minute. And we will see the prophet Zechariah talked about this return of Jesus Christ to the earth as well. So let's start by going back to Zechariah chapter 12 and let's look at verse 10. Okay, so Zechariah chapter 12 and we're going to start in verse 10. Okay, and it says, and it, this is um, this is what will happen with those who are watching the return of Jesus Christ on the earth. And it says in verse ten, and I will pour 
on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. And this is Jesus talking. Yes, they will mourn for him as one who mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. So this is Jesus returning to the nation of Israel. This is Jesus returning to save his people Israel who have called out for his name and to save them. And so let's, um, let's look over again at Zechariah chapter 14 and let's look at verses 4 through 9 and see some more detail on his return here and it says in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives which faces Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives, Olives shall be split in two from east to west making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. So that is a reference to um, back in Revelation chapter 19 where it said in verse 14, And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Let's keep going back in Zechariah chapter 14. Let's pick up on at verse 6. It shall come to pass in that day that there will be no light, the lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen, that it will be light. And in that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and half of them toward the western sea. In both summer and winter it shall occur. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. On that, in that day it shall be the Lord is one and his name one. So this is just a powerful time when he returns to the earth. You know, Jesus himself talked about this as well in Matthew chapter 24. So let's look at Matthew chapter 24 and see how he himself described his return um, to the earth. So I'm in Matthew chapter 24. Okay, and let's pick up, let's pick up together in verse 29. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the son of man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And I just read Matthew chapter 24 verses 29 through 30. And so these are all describing this return, this glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's go back to Revelation chapter 19 and let's pick up in verse 17 what happens when Jesus returns to the earth. It says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together 
for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of people free and slave, both small and great. And then in verse 19 it says, And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. So this is where the Antichrist, the beast, and his armies gathered together to make war against Jesus in his return to the earth. And this um, gathering together, we saw um, back in Revelation, we saw it back when the um, sixth bowl was poured out. Um, let's look at verse 16. I'm in Revelation chapter 16, verse 16, and it says, And they gathered them together to the place in Hebrew, Armageddon. So that is that valley, that Armageddon Valley that's in the north, in, um, also known as the Jezreel Valley in Galilee. That's where they are. That's where this armies are gathered together. But let's see what happens in verse 20. It says, Then the beast was captured. And with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So they gather together and the beast and the false prophet are just captured and they're thrown directly into the lake of fire. That is very interesting to me because we will see um, in the next chapter how there is a great white throne judgment for unbelievers and they go to that throne judgment and then they get thrown into the lake of fire. This is fascinating to me that the beast and false prophet don't even go to the white throne judgment. They go straight into the lake of fire. Um, they're the only two that go straight into the lake of fire. Okay. And so then it says, and the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeds from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So the sword, which proceeds from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, that means this battle is done by the word of God alone. Literally the man who is the word of God and the word of God that is spoken from his mouth. Remember his mouth, he had a sharp two-edged sword that came from his mouth. We saw that in Revelation chapter 1 in the seven attributes of Jesus Christ and when we looked at the first video. So it, they, these armies are defeated simply by the Lord speaking the Word of God. That is so powerful. Does that not show us how powerful the Word of God is and why we need to study it as we've been studying verse chapter by chapter, verse by verse in context so that we can understand the mind of Christ because we have the mind of Christ. Let's go back and look at the power of the Word of God in uh, described to us in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 12 through 13 to understand this power, the power of the Word of God. So it says, for the Word of God, and I'm in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, 
but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So this is how this war is fought by the word of God as he speaks the word of God. And that is why it is so powerful. The word of God is powerful. The man who is God, who is the word of God, the word who became flesh and dwelt among us is powerful. And that's from John chapter one that I just quoted. And this is how he defeats this army. This is how he defeats the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies. And this is how he overcomes by the word of his mouth. And then the last line of the verse says, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So the birds of the air gather and they have this great supper of God. And this is how the kings of the earth and all the armies are, um, are taken out. So this is the, the scene of Jesus returning to earth. It's a powerful scene. It is a powerful scene of judgment, but it just shows, I think it speaks to me, um, how powerful this is and why it's so important that we spend the time in it studying. And if you have spent all these hours with me studying from Revelation chapter one all the way through here, know that every minute that you have invested in understanding the word of God is these are eternal rewards. The word of God is forever. And this is why we spend so much time studying it and so much time understanding these eternal things that are true. As, as it was said here, Jesus was called faithful and true on that white horse. He is faithful and true. He is the word of God. And so I just want to ask you, uh, as you're looking at this, as you're thinking about these things, do you know the word of God personally? You can, you can know the word of God personally by entering into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can, um, what we do to do that is we believe, we simply believe that he went to the cross and he died for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again on the third day. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you will be a part of this kingdom. You will be a part of the blessing of those where he said, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb. You will be a part of that wonderful blessing in his a thousand year reign back here on this earth and his millennial kingdom. And we are going to talk about that in more detail when we get to chapter 20. It is very exciting to know that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords is coming. He is returning turning to this earth, his feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives, the very place where he ascended and went up to heaven. He's going to come right back to that place. And Jerusalem is going to be where he rules and reigns. And it's going to be a glorious kingdom, a thousand year wedding celebration. I'm going to be there. I hope you are going to be there. So let's close out in prayer together. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for this powerful chapter and understanding of how you will return to this earth, Jesus, and how you will defeat the armies um, that come against you through the word of God. Help us to keep this word in our hearts. Help us to keep you in our hearts. And I pray that everybody in the sound of my voice knows that they know they will be part of the glorious millennial kingdom and the marriage supper of the lamb. And I pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to our teaching today on the book of Revelation. And if you are looking for more tools and resources from Encouraging Women for Christ, please visit our website at encouragedinchrist.org. 
We are here to help and encourage you on your journey to learning more about God through His Word.